Welcome to another episode of Fraternity. I'm your big brother, Sean. And I'm your little brother, Danny. And on this podcast, it's time to pop open some champagne because this is the first episode we've recorded since launching. Yeah, it's uh, we've been working on the podcast for about a month and we had a couple delays, but we are finally launched. We've been looking forward to this day for a while and we're excited to keep going, keep the train rolling. Definitely. And we definitely want to thank everyone who's taken time out of their day to check us out and listen so far. And we can only hope that you're going to stay with us along for this ride. And we just can't thank you enough for everyone who's checked us out. We really appreciate it. Yeah, definitely from the bottom of our hearts. If you're listening or listen to even one episode, like we're really grateful. We don't expect anything out of this, but we just want to put out a good product for people to listen to. And we've been getting some good feedback, too. So anyone that's listened and given us feedback, we really appreciate it. Yeah, we're going to keep going and keep working on making this a great show for you to listen to. Yeah, this is our small contribution to the horror community at large. We're really enjoying it. We're doing it for ourselves. And not to say we don't want an audience. Surely we do want an audience, but... We'd be doing this if no one was listening, but we're glad to see people are listening, and we look forward to having even more people listen. And speaking of the horror community, you know, now that we've launched, we've really been trying to gain listeners and have a presence online, so we got to do some shameless promotion here real quick. You know, we do have a Twitter. You can reach us at Fraternity. I'm on the Twitter all the time, so if anyone wants to hit us up, talk a horror, give us feedback, questions, comments, anything, at Fraternity, we're right there. And if you want to send us an email, any questions, comments, anything at all, you can send us an email at fraternity at gmail.com. That's fraternity at gmail.com. And our at on Twitter, again, is at Fraternity. Send us anything, just like, share, whatever you want to do. Tell us hello. All right, now that we got that out of the way, I want to talk about the mom and pop VHS horror collection. Another story time? Story time indeed. You know, uh, in the first episode, we started talking about finding the mom and pop video stores that were selling their movies. And I briefly mentioned that when I started collecting the VHS horror films, I wanted to recreate the mom and pop video aisle of horror. I called it my mom and pop VHS horror collection. You know, back then you could get horror movies on VHS brand new, but it was expensive as everything is. You know, I wasn't made of money. I was a teenager. I definitely didn't have a lot of money to spend on these movies. And I decided to make a rule. You know, when I went to this video store, they were selling their movies two for ten. So I said, okay, perfect. Rule number one is every film has to be used. And rule number two, you can't spend any more than $5 per film. So following those rules, I would go to dying mom and pop video stores. I would go to thrift stores. I would go to odds and ends stores and sometimes miraculously find strange things, you know. And I did build a collection of hundreds of horror films on VHS. And I don't have that anymore. And I missed it. And I'd say since about 2013 is when I entered the era of Blu-ray. You know, I didn't really collect DVD per se. I did, but I'm more focused on like what I thought during the DVD era was the end-all be-all horror films. Like the ultimate edition of Dawn of the Dead or something. You thought this was going to be the last one you needed, right? Plus I just had too many damn VHSs. Like I had so much to watch there that... Most of the time, if I wanted a DVD, I was just upgrading anyway. I already had the movie, so it was a double dip. But now that I don't have the VHSs anymore, I'd say it was around 2013 when Scream Factory really started releasing big-time movies that I wanted that I had on VHS back in the day. That's when I started to, like, recreate the mom-and-pop VHS horror collection on Blu-ray. And for every 100 movies I had on VHS now, it's funny because it seems like there's a hundred more that I've never seen or heard of. So it's like, I'm still in this process of discovering awesome horror movies. And it's just a great time. I think I've like eclipsed the mom and pop VHS horror collection. And today we're going to be covering a movie that just may feature the greatest bromance in horror film history. 
you know, I call myself the little brother, but I feel kind of old, you know, I'm 26 and I feel like, you know, I don't feel young anymore compared to these little, these children. Um, would you say there was an age, Sean, where you uh, started to feel your age? I think I'm still looking for it. <laughs> well, anyway, what I'm getting at is that we're all fast approaching death, right? Sure. But what if there was a way to conquer death? That question will be answered in the movie we discussed today. What happens when you conquer death? And what are the consequences? We're going to be talking about none other than Reanimator. And are those consequences scary or hilarious? Debatable. <laughs> we will. We will find out, yeah. So, we're going back to Zia video, and I found this copy of Reanimator there, and it just looked like a brilliant gore film. Plus, if you look at the VHS box art for this movie, you have, like, this stock promo photo of Herbert at his desk with the reagent, and there's the severed head of Hill on the desk, and the creeping, decapitated body coming up behind him and we talk a lot about being a kid and getting into horror decapitation is definitely like a bell ringer like who doesn't love a good decapitation when they're a kid looking for like gore just looking for thrills and chills and there's so much decapitation on this vhs box like even the two promo photos on the back all feature dr carl hill so it's a movie i had to grab obviously also i grabbed it because it said unrated cut. Now, I found out that when this hit VHS markets, it was released in an R-rated and unrated cut because they didn't know what video stores would want to carry which version. And luckily, ZM had carried the unrated cut. And so when you're a kid and you see unrated, you're about that life. Oh, yeah. So I picked it up, watched it numerous times. Such a good film. I remember showing all my friends this movie. It's just been a classic through the ages. I mean, it's. I think I'd have to put it in my top 10 all time. I remember you had a shirt of Reanimator, right? I did, yeah. I sure did. Because Sean had just a whole wardrobe of either horror movie t-shirts or like obscure band shirts. And I saw all this stuff when I was like a kid, you know, and I was, Sean's in his mid-20s and I'm like 12, 13 and I'm getting exposed to all this like gore on his shirts. But Reanimator, that one always stuck in my head for some reason, just the shirt that you had of Herbert West. <laughs> I almost forgot about that shirt, to be honest. Like, I'm so glad you reminded me of that because that was an awesome shirt. I think I found that shirt on a bargain rack somewhere. And I remember that shirt because it was huge. It was like a 2X because it was the only one they had. And just I would wear that with my black shorts and black shoes and just be all blacked out in Reanimator. Yeah, let me uh, paint a picture for how Sean would dress. Black pants, you know, he's got his horror movie t-shirt. He's got long black hair. Well, it's shoulder length, but it's long. And you used to wear these fingerless skeleton gloves. Guess I'm going to bring these up. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> you know, people give you shit. I gave you shit for these uh, skeleton fingerless gloves. And you'd wear them in the summer in the 90 degree heat. We're in southern Louisiana, but, you know, Kanye's out there wearing, like, sweaters in the, in the heat, all in the name of fashion. So, you know, now I gotta, you know, tip my hat off to you, because you're setting fashion trends, and you gotta appreciate it. But yeah, Sean, he's always dressed in all black, looking a little freaky, but iconic looks is all I have to say. <laughs> Keep your eyes peeled, folks. You know, I also uh, wanted to mention, too, like, there was a time where I worked at the FYE in the mall back when those were still a thing, you know? And uh, I remember when I worked there, Anchor Bay released their special edition DVD of Reanimator. And this was one of those DVDs I did buy because, first of all, I love Reanimator. And second of all, it looked like this could be the end-all be-all. Film school in a box, as we say on this show. And, uh... It actually came in a box like it had a DVD in this big box because the bonus on it was actually a highlighter pen that was like the reagent syringe. <laughs> and it was one of the coolest bonuses you could get with a horror movie. So I just had to bring it up, you know, because that reagent highlighter pen was awesome. I miss the days when uh, DVDs would come with weird knickknacks, you know? I, I think that's what we lost in the age of Blu-ray is, like, weird physical special 
<laughs> bonus things that come with uh, DVDs. Yeah, now you're looking at getting like a mini pop at best with something. <laughs> oh no. You know, Arrow Video did release a fantastic special edition Blu-ray and it does have it has like the uncut version which we're going to discuss here. It also has an integral cut which I didn't watch. I've seen it, but I haven't watched it in a really long time, so as to the differences and things in there, we're not going to be discussing that on the show today. And it comes with a great booklet, a comic book of reanimator and posters and all kinds of great stuff so again as good as the vhs was as good as the dvd was we're still in prime time of horror on home video today i like some people complain i call it home video but i'm just nostalgic what can i say i know it's a disc and a blu-ray we're not watching videos anymore but who cares home video just sounds nicer i think right it is what it is. So you want to hop into the movie and start us off? So this movie comes out the door swinging, I think, with a very quick intro. So we're at a hospital. Yeah, the University of Zurich Institute for Medicine. Right. And they're screaming and commotion. These doctors and nurses are making their way down the hallway to, to investigate what's going on. And we open the door and there's Dr. Herbert West uh, working on... Hans Gruber and Hans Gruber just screaming in agony and we get our gore here with his eyes like exploding in his head. Yeah, his eyes just bursting and covering this distraught woman in gore. I love West's reaction to the eye pop being just slack jawed, like horrified at what he's watching, but what he's responsible for. Yeah, with everything that happens in this movie, he's he's kind of used to death, I think. As as the movie goes on, I think he gets more used to the gruesome things that he has to behold. Yeah, we get a quick mention. He's like, the dosage was too large, and this chick's like, you killed him! And Herbert delivers this deadpan, like, I gave him life. And looks into the camera. Did not. <laughs> I gave him life. Yeah, just perfect. Uh, so many good one-liners in this film. So many quotes. We were, we were both talking earlier about how quotable this movie can be. So quotable, yeah. And it just, just that line right there just sets us off on this hilarious 1985 Frankenstein-esque horror comedy masterpiece. And then we jump to the opening credits, which, awesome theme song. Great theme song. It's you got this psychedelic intro with a bunch of weird colors and like medical imagery yeah totally mixes really well real cool stuff and then we cut to miskatonic medical school and we meet dan and dan is trying to save a dying patient i love dan uh this woman is dying and they're doing everything they can to to bring her back and dan is just trying to go the extra mile and he won't give up he's a doctor that won't give up on his patient but another doctor has to step in and say dan you gotta you gotta know when to let go you know, you, know, you got to know when to accept defeat. And and Dan just, uh, he's very optimistic. Yeah, she even mentions like how his optimism is touching, but a good doctor knows when to quit. And, you know, it just gives us enough insight into like Dan's psyche to show us why and how he could fall into the trappings of Herbert West's experimentation. But Dan is just so good. Like he's the center. He's the heart and the moral center of the movie, and I just can't give him enough credit. So then he's taking the stiff to the morgue. We get a funny bit with the arm of a corpse continuously, like, falling in his way. Yeah, I really like that bit when he, he moves the arm because it's in his way, trying to put the body in the, in the freezer. Then he gets it past it, and then it falls right back down. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's skeeved out. He's like, I don't even want to touch it, just walk by it. I don't even want to breathe in here. Everyone's been in, like, I don't want to breathe anything in here, you know? Yeah, there's a lot of stiffs in this locker. Like, it's pretty gross. And uh, Dr. Hill is also down there working on... Uh, what we will find out is a laser drill for lobotomies, and he seems to be operating on a caveman. Some weirdness with sticking a Q-tip into this guy's brain. Little good tidbits of gore. Kane is kind of watching on, and then he gets startled by Dean Halsey, who's showing Herbert around the campus. Yeah, we get a great scene with West and Hill. They immediately 
don't see eye to eye at all, and you know these guys are going to be enemies. Yeah, West immediately is criticizing Hill's brain death research, calling him a plagiarist, saying his work is outdated. Meanwhile, Halsey is like, he's our grant machine, and Herbert just can't help himself. He's got to bust Hill's balls, and Hill takes it in stride. You know, we don't know to what extent Hill is going to become an antagonist in this story yet, but it, the friction between Herbert and Hill is great. I love it. Oh yeah, it's definitely a really good setup for where the story ends up going. Yeah, I like this movie. Yeah, you kind of don't know where it can go, and you're not sh- you're not sure about about Herbert. Is like, is he a good guy? Is he like more deranged? Like, who is he? They do really well at like being very secretive about him. You're not too sure what his goals or how how far he's willing to go and how morally like corrupt he might be. It's weird to like define this movie. You could say it's like a mad scientist film. Almost all the main characters have a bit of mad scientist in them. They're all similar, but also different in a lot of ways. Like, I think, like, Dan and West are kind of, like, reflections of themselves in a lot of ways. So we uh, cut to Dan putting a note up about sharing an apartment. Did you catch the uh, address of the apartment? I did not. It's 666 Darkmoor. <laughs> what, uh, <laughs> I don't know who put that one on the note. And then, uh... Megan Halsey, his fiance, runs up and starts kissing on him. And we cut from them kissing. She's saying, no, no, no. And then it immediately cuts to her screaming, yes, 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 while they're banging at Dan's <laughs> house. I think one of, the, one of the smoothest sex transitions I've ever seen, I think. <laughs> With a Talking Heads poster in the room. Yeah. Yeah, Barbara Cranston is great. She's beautiful. And we always talk about horror movies having to deliver in the TNA department. And she alone basically delivers the breasticle necessities in this movie quite admirably, I will say. They're, uh, yeah, there's some, uh, they're good. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, Dan's cat jumps on him and ruins the mood. Megan, yeah, Megan has to go because her dad's a prude and she can't stay the night. I love just how playful her and Dan are here. You know, they're both genuinely likable people. Yeah, you you, d- you definitely believe their relationship and like that they both care about each other and how Megan doesn't want to get married to Dan yet. You know, she wants him to finish school. Totally like a realistic situation. Yeah. So they're playing around. They're goofing off and they run into Herbert, who's just standing at the door <laughs> ready to inquire about the apartment. Yeah, so Herbert is uh, checking out the place, and it seems pretty good until he gets to the basement, where he's immediately sold on the apartment. Yeah, he's satisfied once he sees the basement space, for sure, and he's ready to throw money at Dan and get this arrangement going. Yeah, Megan doesn't want to. She's a bit creeped out by him. She's not sure about West, but, you know, Dan sees that money right in front of him, and he takes it. Yeah, I like how quickly Dan, like, accepts the arrangement, even though, like, Megan is clearly, like, a little put off by it. But we now have the beginnings of what I said earlier is quite possibly the greatest bromance in horror history. So after that, it's time to go to Dr. Hill's brain class. So Dr. Hill is showing a class of students that includes Herbert and Dan how to remove the brain from a cadaver. Some awesome special effects here. I can handle any gore you throw at me, but for some reason when it's like medical surgery, like it just irks me really bad. I don't know, just the... It's just like peeling a large orange. Just the cutting of the skin and the like noises that the bones make, like, oh, like it gets me, like it it makes my skin crawl a little bit. Removing the skull cap. Oh, yeah. I don't know what it is. Like, do you feel that way or are you just like, no, it's just any other gore? I definitely can see your point. The fact that it's in a medical setting makes it even more real. So, like we said earlier too, we had we have established that Herbert thinks Hill's work is outdated, that he's a plagiarist of Gruber. And Hill really like pushes his points during the class, like almost directing it towards West. And West responds with snapping his pencils. <laughs> I love this scene. I feel like it's, this has got to be iconic, This the pencil snap, right? Oh, yeah. And you know what else cracked me up is, like, Dan is in the background of Herbert shots just looking on, like, what the hell is going on here? Right. Yeah, I love the back and forth between Hill and West. It's, uh, 
It's so good. And just Hill is just pissed off and he and he ends his class right there. Yeah, he tells uh, West, Mr. West, I suggest you get yourself a pen. <laughs> I also liked, you know, after Herbert jumps on him, like, you should have stole more Gruber's ideas and then you would have had your own ideas. And Hill cuts him off and gives this great line delivery of, it's going to be a pleasure to fail you. <laughs> so just even more tension building between West and Hill. Just what a great relationship they have, right? <laughs> Oh yeah, it's it's slowly rising, and this movie's paced really well where you're never bored. Putting all the pieces in motion for really the movie later on when it really gets going, as I think you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, I think anyone listening that's seen it knows what we're talking about, and anyone who hasn't is going to. And then we get a scene with Hill is at Dean Halsey's house, and they're celebrating a grant, and Megan's there, and... Dan quickly comes to pick up Megan for, I'm going to use air quotes, but he gets her for a study date. (laughs) We know already what Dan and Megan's study date is. And then Dr. Hill gets super creepy in delivering this pervy toast (laughs) to Megan. What did you think about them setting all this up? It kind of flew over my head the first time, because when I was watching the second time, I was like, man, Hill's just like staring at her like so obviously, but I didn't even notice it. But yeah, then when he delivers his creepy toast to Megan, it's just like, I don't know what that meant, but it can't be good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So at the air quote study date, Dan is trying to get fresh, but Megan is a little uncomfortable about the new living arrangements with West. Yeah, she can't get in the mood because she knows West is there and she still doesn't like that he's there. They notice that. Rufus, the cat, Dan's cat, is nowhere to be found. So they start snooping around the apartment to look for Rufus. And Megan goes into West's room. She looks in the fridge. The fridge is glowing with this green aura. And she opens the fridge. And inside is a dead Rufus. And what will we, we will come to find out is the reagent. Yeah, I love West comes back right as Megan discovers the dead cat. And he's like, what are you doing in my room? And Dan runs in. And, you know, Dan is such a good guy. He's so sensible. And he's, like, trying to juggle the needs of everyone. Like, West is like, I thought I was renting a private room, Dan. He's like, what the hell are you doing in here, Megan? She's like, your your fucking cat is dead right there, Dan. <laughs> yeah, and then West is trying to talk to Dan. And Dan's like, shut up. I love that. I love his reaction to the dead cat. Because he's like, yeah, that line is shut, shut up. <laughs> like... Yeah, he's like in shock, just like he can't believe it. And then starts to question West. I love the line like, you know, why didn't you tell me? And then West is like, what do you want me to do, Dan? Leave a note? Cat dead? Details later? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. Brilliant line. You know, and we got to put ourselves in 1985 where there's no cell phones or things like that, too, to really appreciate this scene. Yeah, and I just like how you can kind of interpret it. You still don't know, like, did Herbert West really kill this cat, or is he telling the truth? And, you know, I think we learn our answer later, but, you know, for now, it's a bit ambiguous. Megan definitely thinks so, and Dan, still snooping, like, he finds the reagent, and he's like, what's this? And Herbert uses Dan and Megan's relationship to kind of nip it in the bud. He's like, look, that's none of your business. Just as it's none of my business that you're banging the Dean's daughter. So everything kind of wraps up there. And we cut to later in the night and Dan is startled awake by the rabid wails of a feline. Yeah, so Dan thinks there's a burglar or an animal in the house or something. And he goes snooping around to try and find what's what this sound is coming from. And he stumbles down to the basement and West is getting attacked by a reanimated Rufus. Yeah, this is the first brilliant scene of slapstick in the movie herbert's just getting mauled he's got the cat just over his entire back and he's screaming and bumping around the light in the basement has been hit so it's swinging around even though this scene is kind can kind of be played for comedic effect it still has a lot of good tension with yeah like you said the the light is swaying so we don't get to see everything that's going on and you haven't seen west this vulnerable this whole time he's been like this very stoic personality (laughs) and he's like get this cat off me (laughs) yeah he's pretty clawed up too and 
Once the cat gets off of uh, Herbert, they're like, Dan's got a baseball bat, and Herbert's got a croquet mallet, and they're smashing everything trying to get the cat. It's so funny, but like you said, there's still good tension there. Like They're like, it's over there! It's over there! <laughs> and then suddenly this cat just leaps at Dan and somehow <laughs> knocks him across the room. And I guess he caught the cat at the same time, and he just throws it and smashes it against the wall. And that's when the realization sets in that that's Rufus. I love when the cat smacks against the wall, and you just see, like, a little giblet <laughs> fall. <laughs> like, <laughs> hang on the wall for a minute and fall. Yeah, and Dan is like, what the hell? And Herbert's like, Look out! and just gives him, like, this jump scare. And then he just, like, collapses in his own hysterics. And it's our first real, like, crazy scene since the eye explosion. And it's just so well done. Like, what a ride we're on in this movie. And so Herbert and Dan have settled down. And Herbert's going to discuss the reanimation agent with Dan because he wants Dan's help. You know, he's telling him, I've got this reagent, and he's showing Dan the notes, and he starts talking about conquering brain death. And as we know, we know how passionate Dan is about defeating death, so as much as he doesn't want to hear it, he's interested. But the more he looks at Herbert's notes, he's like, okay, you've, you've done a lot of this on animals, and you seem to be having issues and he even asks him, like, you haven't done this on people, have you? And Herbert has this, like, uh. <laughs> like, right, yeah, he's, he's trying to hide some things. Dan is still real skeptical about the whole situation, but West has to cajole Dan. So he's like, look, the cat's dead again. We're going to reanimate it. Right, yeah, so that's the only way Dan is going to believe him if he reanimates Rufus that just was reanimated a, a first time. They're going to have to reanimate it a second time. Now, I'm allergic to cats. I've never had a cat. I know you love cats, so was any of this hard for you? I mean, I don't want to see a poor cat, you know, with its half of its body hanging from a thread. Don't expect it to tango, Danny. <laughs> it has a broken back. I was just appreciating the, the great special effects on the cat. You know, I think it's pretty believable. So they reanimate Rufus, and of course, Megan walks in. Yeah, Megan just, uh, she must have a key. She's just always coming in at the worst time. Yeah, you know, and I will say, like, all great horror masters the art of escalation in scenarios, and something as simple as Megan walking in, even though I didn't think it made a whole lot of sense here, it just, there's a continuous escalation of scenarios in this movie. Like, Dan, like, takes Megan upstairs and you just see it on Herbert's face. Like, here's trouble. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like I said, this movie's paced really well. I feel like every, every scene we're getting another layer to the story where it's like, oh no, like, this is just getting worse for everybody. Now, we've mentioned how Dan is the moral heart and center of this film. And unfortunately, he's such a good guy, he makes a really foolish decision, and he goes to the dean and spills the beans on what he's just experienced with Herbert. And I think Dan genuinely thought, like, it would be a good idea to tell. Like we keep saying, he is the moral, like, center of the story, and he really, like, wants to do anything to save people from death. And he really thinks, like, this could change humanity, like, this is good for humanity. You know, Halsey isn't buying it. He sees West as just a lunatic. And once he mentions that Megan was involved, Halsey just loses it. He says all the wrong things. West is expelled. Dean Halsey rescinds Dan's student loan, which basically means he can't continue school. So he basically has no option at this point but to help Herbert with the experiment, right? Yeah, Dan's out of options. Like, he has to do something. He has to help Herbert. So now we get to one of the centerpieces of the film, which is the experiment. Dan is sneaking Herbert into the morgue. And I love this line where the security guard's like, you got my lunch under there? And he says, yeah, one meatball ran over by a semi. Not only is it a great line, but it's a good setup for a joke that's coming in a minute. Yeah, I like Herbert is just disturbed. He's like, meatball, really? <laughs> <laughs> but then, yeah, like you said, later in the morgue, he's like, they're looking for the body to reanimate. And he's like, here's your meatball. <laughs> here's your meatball. <laughs> I also liked when Dan expressed worry about getting caught. 
Herbert's like, what will they do? Embalm us? <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say, before we get into the meat locker, I personally was disturbed by the fact that West is wearing a toe tag inside his socks and shoes. Did you notice that? I did not catch this, no. <laughs> yeah, like, when they wheeled him in, he had no shoes on because he was supposed to be the corpse, and he's wearing a toe tag, which is a huge chunk of plastic. Mm-hmm. And when he puts his shoes and socks back on, he just tucks it in there. He doesn't take the toe tag off. <laughs> no, and I'm like, that would be so uncomfortable and distracting, <laughs> especially when you're doing an experiment of this magnitude, right? Well, West is a is a scientist all about, you know, time is of the essence, so he doesn't have time for being comfortable. It's all about the experiment at hand. So he just shoved that toe tag into his sock and his shoe <laughs> and he's walking on it. Oh, it really, that's... That probably disturbed me more than any of the gore in the movie. But yeah, they're looking for a corpse to reanimate. They need a human subject. And all they really want is like a conscious reaction so that they can warrant what they're doing. Right. Yeah. They just need proof that this works. We're not crazy. And they can, but and Dan can be a doctor again. And Wes can prove his theories and his experiments. Yeah. So they find one after going through the morgue and just listing off all this crazy shit that's happened to these dead people. Yeah. There's people with like a headshot, the malpractice, heart problems. Yeah. But they find a John Doe and he's in seemingly perfect physical condition. Yeah. Don't they say he like just collapsed and died or something? Yeah. And West is like, it's almost perfect, but there might be heart problems. And Dan's like, all right, let's find another one. Let's get out of here. And he's like, no, we have to operate now. They inject this John Doe with the reagent. And meanwhile, upstairs, Dean Halsey and Megan show up. And Halsey finds out that Dan is indeed in the hospital in the morgue. And he's basically telling the people, I told you to suspend him. Whoever was supposed to be keeping an eye on that wasn't able to. And the bottom line there is it's only a matter of time before that situation is going to come to a head. So Herbert and Dan are still in the morgue waiting on the corpse to reanimate. And I loved how like Dan is rushing. He's like, we failed. Herbert smacks the corpse like, he failed, not me. (laughs) Then suddenly they didn't fail. And this cadaver springs to life. And of course they've reanimated just a huge physical hulk of a man that neither of them are going to be able to control. Yeah, but her but Herbert yells stop and the John Doe monster stops for a second and he's like, It listened, it listened to me. Like he's so <laughs> caught up in like learning about what's going on and gathering information, even in this life and death situation. Yeah, meanwhile, it still has pretty much been just manhandling them. And then Halsey's at the more the the meat locker door. And this brute busts through the door and just crushes him, bites his fingers off, throws him against the wall, and is just ravaging Dean Halsey. Yeah, so it looks like Halsey is at the end here, but Herbert is trying to be a hero, and he grabs the bone saw, and he puts it through the monster's chest and kills it. But unfortunately, Dean Halsey is already dead. But not in this reality. You know, that's... Being dead in this reality is only a mild annoyance, Danny. Very true. Great special effects when they shove the bone saw through the... I hate to call them zombies, you know, I guess. Yeah. To me, it's not really a zombie movie. They're just reanimated corpses. (laughs) But I bet if you look up zombie, it would just... The definition would would be reanimated corpse. Right. (laughs) You're right. It's right on the nose, but it just doesn't feel right. But uh, the... Brew is down. Halsey's down. Dan is basically down because he's entering a state of shock and Herbert's dragging Halsey over. Like he's like, dude, this is the freshest specimen we got. We gotta operate now. Like Yeah. He even throws in the fact that this is the freshest specimen we'll have apart from us killing somebody ourselves. <laughs> which says so much about Herbert. Yeah, like I said, he's he's just completely undeterred. By death he's just ready to move on you know he is not phased by death one bit he he believes wholeheartedly that he can conquer death he's at least on the way to conquering it and he tells dan dan we can bring him back to life and that dan goes oh yeah <laughs> you know and he's back to helping yeah he kind of realizes the situation he's in like oh yeah <laughs> Yeah, so now, while they're reanimating Dean Halsey, 
Megan, who has been under a watchful eye upstairs, now she's making her way down there. So again, we're just in the midst of escalation after escalation here. Herbert slams his hand down on the slab that Halsey's on, and Dean Halsey's eyes pop open, and he is indeed awake. Now, we didn't talk about how they kind of mentioned that the big brute that they had reanimated was kind of like brain dead. Like they were like, maybe he was dead too long and we just reanimated certain parts of him. And I guess there's some truth to that because Halsey, while he's not a huge, not himself anymore, he's definitely a little more cognitive than the John Doe was. He's able to control himself, I think. The John Doe is just like. And Rufus, too, they're both, like, acting purely on instinct. They even say that, you know, they're just acting purely on instinct, and they think they're in danger, so they're just going crazy. But, yeah, Halsey can kind of understand and recognize people. Like, he chokes Dan when the first when he hears Dan's voice, because he's so fucking pissed off at him. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's choking them both out. And Megan and this inept security guard show up, and Herbert and Dan are kind of able to, like, lay the blame of everything on Dean Halsey and get away with this experiment. Yeah, I love uh, Dan is just completely in shock and the security guard is calling the cops. Herbert covers Dan with a, with his coat and he's like, shh, it's going to be okay. You know, kind of reassuring Dan, like, it's just shock. We're going to be fine. Which I think just all but confirms, like, Herbert has murdered. He's It's just in his blood, and he's not shocked by it anymore. He's just undeterred. Yeah, he's clearly been on a longer path with this reagent. He's definitely seen more shit than Dan has. Like, I mean, even the opening scene with Gruber, clearly. And yeah, Dan is in total shock, and Herbert's like, dude, we're good here. And then we have a scene with... Uh, Megan and Dr. Hill, and Dr. Hill has Dean Halsey in this padded cell in his office, and he's discussing the situation with Megan. You know, he needs her to sign a release so he can do exploratory surgery. But the bottom line with this scene, it's a brief scene, is it's only a matter of time before Hill's going to put all this together. And meanwhile, Hill is still creeping on Megan, like just can't help himself. We really get a sense of how obsessed he is with Megan, pulling all the disgusting sex pervert moves. Yeah, and, you know, Megan's holding up as well as she can, and then she goes home, and of course, good guy Dan is there. You know, he's totally distraught, and he's been waiting for Megan, and she confronts Dan. You know, she's like, what did y'all do? And Dan is just all too willing to give her the truth. He's like, he's not crazy he's dead you know he's like i'm gonna tell megan everything you know that's just who dan is he's very admirable yeah he's a great guy he always takes the high ground and does what he has to even if it means ruining a relationship i think he's trying to save his relationship here but he's in over his head you know he let his drive for science kind of get the best of him here which you can't blame him. Again, I think everything he's done has been admirable, but he definitely just kind of fell into West's trap. <laughs> yeah, definitely. The pace of this movie really starts to pick up here, and we immediately cut to the basement where Herbert's working, and Hill comes down there co- to confront him, and he has figured out what's going on, right? Yeah, at this point he knows, and he wants Herbert's discovery for himself. Hill wants to take all the credit, and he does a good job of making West really seem uh, powerless in this scene. Well, we don't discuss, like, behind the scenes here, and one thing that I learned, though, is, or I've known, just because I've known this movie for so long, is there was a subplot at a certain point that's in the integral cut that features uh, Dr. Hill is like a mesmerizer. Like, he has that uh, ability of mind control, kind of. And it's not really present in the unrated cut, but you definitely see some of it in this scene. And then it definitely plays a bit of a role later on. But uh, I think it deserved the mention because he does, like, stare down Herbert, and he's, like, very imposing and, like, mesmerizing him. Like, you will tell me everything. You will give me your notes, and... You can see West like under that hypnotic spell in the scene. Yeah, I think 
I mean, that's interesting. I didn't know that, but it sounds like it would be a little too much for this movie. I think this movie is a lot better when it's a little more grounded. I don't know why Hill would have these mesmerizing powers. Yeah, you know, I mean, it makes more sense to, like, you know, they do discuss, like, the will in the brain, and we are going to get a little further into the movie with lobotomies and him being able to control the corpses, and that's all well and good. I don't think any further mesmerizing techniques or antics needed to be present, but it's just funny that scene almost seems to be like a holdover of it. I think it works either way. Like I said, I just felt like, you know, Herbert's just kind of at a loss at what to do. Like he's, he's kind of in this, he's kind of cornered in that scene. Yeah, it it definitely works both ways. So Megan and Dan are breaking into Hill's office. We don't see much yet. We jump back into the basement and Wes distracts Hill by showing him the reagent mixed with the dead cat tissue under a microscope. And while Hill is checking that out, Herbert sneaks him with the shovel to the dome. And Hill's on the ground, and West starts chopping his head off, I guess, with the shovel. Yeah, it's decapitation by shovel. I like he throws in the line, plagiarist. Hill is dead dead. And of course, the mad scientist in Herbert just can't help himself, and he's like, I've never reanimated individual parts. Let's go ahead and reanimate Dr. Hill's severed head, and headless corpse he has to know he he's on the endless journey of knowledge herbert and yeah he and he gets himself in a sticky situation here when hill comes alive and he's like i'm herbert west like and then hill is starting to say something and he says you bastard and then unbeknownst to herbert hill's body is right behind him and he slams his head into the desk and herbert gets knocked out Yeah, great scene. I freaking love Dr. Hill. Yeah, he's great. He really sells it as just like this asshole. And then like, what a unique movie where you get to see the asshole villain die a gruesome death, but then also come back to life and like wreak havoc on our on our characters. (laughs) What a challenge it had to be to play the last half of this movie as a severed head. Oh yeah, they get really creative with the shots, and I love all the shots later on in the in the finale with Hill. But yeah, it's really good. I just yeah, this is when the movie really gets going is with Hill becoming the the ultimate villain here. Oh yeah, he's he's a comic book villain for sure. So we do get a brief clip back at Hill's office where Dan finds like this creepy obsessive file that Hill has on Megan, and then both Megan and Dan discover that Dean Halsey has been lobotomized. They get the hell out of there. And then West wakes up in the basement and he discovers that all his notes, all his work is gone and he's freaking out. Dan shows up and Herbert blurts out that he had to kill Dr. Hill. I like when Dan is like, he's dead. And Herbert delivers this not exactly line. (laughs) And Dan is just at his wits end here. He's like, this has to stop. Yeah, Dan is just like, are you serious? Like, damn it. Like. Yeah, I just love Dan's emotion in this scene where he just wants it to be over, but, you know, it's not over yet. He's got to keep going. Herbert calms Dan down by basically telling him, like, he wanted you dead, you know, and realistically, too, like, let's be honest, like, there's no turning back for Dan at this point. He's he's in a world of shit, and there's really no clean way of getting out. And then Dan, like, tells Herbert about the file about Megan he's like putting that together he's like well if Hill's reanimated and out there and we should mention you know Hill even though he's just a head he is way more cognitive than any other reanimated corpse like he's basically still himself Dan tells Herbert I think Hill has like this psychotic need for Megan so we better go get Megan and Herbert just thinks this is too funny yeah, he just starts laughing when once he he- hears this truth. Then we go back to Hill's office, and it somehow Dr. Hill's headless corpse has managed to get them there. And I love the bit where the headless corpse gets the blood to put the blood in the little 
bin that the head is in. Like, I guess he needs some blood. Yeah, I guess he's, uh, yeah, I guess he needs blood for his brain to work. And <laughs> I'm not sure how he's talking without lungs, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I love this scene when Hill's back in his office and, you know, it's, there's some great slapstick with the, with the, with the body and he's trying to lead the body to the fridge to get the blood. And then he goes over to see, uh, Halsey in the, uh, in the room, in the containment room. And you get a good shot of, you see, uh, Halsey looking out and there's the reflection of Hill's face in the mirror. Yeah, that, that's a great shot. Yeah, it's pretty apparent he has like that telepathic link due to the lobotomy he basically tells him like it's time to get you out of here and then dr hill goes to the morgue and sets up shop and we don't really get an explanation of why he's gone to the morgue we're kind of left to assume that he's going to operate on the cadavers i mean we know what he's done to halsey we can see he's got some kind of telepathic control over him and we know he's got the reagent so He's in the morgue and we're kind of left to put two and two together while Dan goes to get Megan. Yeah, I think he's just, he knows that Wes is going to come after him and probably bring Dan. And so it's probably more convenient to just everyone to, everyone leads themselves to, to, to Hill in this finale. <laughs> he's kind of at, at the, at the grace of, uh, I mean, he's headless. <laughs> he's carried around <laughs> his own head. He, he doesn't, uh, have the grace of being one person now. <laughs> Yeah. So Dan goes to Megan, and this relationship is really on the rocks now. Like, there's just too much drama. And just as they're about to kind of get tender with each other again, Dean Halsey busts in, all spittily with blood and nasty, and he attacks Dan and smashes him against the wall. And I thought, Dan took a good shot, because there was like a good little pop of gore on the wall. Oh yeah, definitely hurt Dan. <laughs> Knocked him out. Yeah, Dan's out and Dean Halsey kidnaps his own daughter. And we go back to the morgue and Dr. Hill is indeed doing the laser drill lobotomies on the cadavers. And then they're interrupted by a knock at the door that ends up being Dean Halsey bringing Megan. And he lays her on the slab where the head of Hill is and strips her down. Barbara Crampton goes full frontal. What a trooper. I can't imagine having to lay on this slab in this <laughs> set fully naked. Yeah, we see boobs and we see bush. Like I said, what a trooper. And then we cut back to the Halsey house real quick and Dan is awakened by Herbert. And so clearly they're going to make their way to the morgue. And we are very quickly approaching our grand finale here in the morgue. Hill is in the process of molesting Megan. Let's not sugarcoat it here. This is full-blown molesting time. Hill is holding his own head while the head is licking up and down Megan's body and kissing her. And she's just completely disgusted. And there's blood like left on her skin. It's, oh, it's yeah. great. He's confessing his love while tonguing her up and down. And a head is about to give some head, right? He's about <laughs> to service her with a bit of cunnilingus. <laughs> and thankfully herbert interrupts this scenario and he's looking to throw some jokes <laughs> <laughs> i like he tells uh hill how disappointed he is in him you know he's got he could conquer death but he's over here messing with a floozy he gives this great line, who's going to believe a talking head, get a job at a sideshow? Yeah, he's just berating him like you're a second-rate scientist, like I thought better of you. Yeah, they, they've never seen eye to eye, and even now, like, it's not time for Herbert to lay off the ball-busting on Hill. I guess he's still got balls, but his balls are over there, his head's over there. <laughs> Hill's a mess. It's all coming to a head real quick, and Hill springs his trap. He has reanimated and lobotomized every cadaver in the morgue. They're all basically under his control, and Dan's trying to rescue Megan, and Herbert's right there, and these corpses all just attack him. And let's talk about these special effects, man, because all these cadavers are freaking awesome. Yeah, they picked... People of all different shapes and sizes, too. Like, it's not, like, beautiful-looking people. You've got people with, like, guts hanging out. 
Yeah, just crazy stuff. Like, you got burn victims, you've got the meatball, you got the dude with the shotgun blast to the face. And I didn't even mention it earlier, but the the makeup on the um, on the John Doe was really good as well. Like, his veins popping out of his head. <laughs> yeah, it's a good combination of, like, realistic and then, like, just extraordinary. Yeah, it's it's just believable enough, I think. Right. They all look like cadavers and everyone is naked too. They're really putting it out there. And of course you have like Hill's headless body holding the head as the fighting is going on. I love uh, when West is trying to sneak up on him and Hill holds up his head and turns it around. <laughs> yeah, I, I see you. <laughs> yeah, And I like uh, Hill gets the upper hand on West and he's going to lobotomize him with the laser drill. And Dan has megan but they're kind of trapped and i like when dan says to hill he's like they'll kill her and hill says i'll give her a life and it's like oh yeah y'all kind of screwed yourselves yeah they kind of have no uh trump card to get out of this situation until megan you know starts to try to talk to her dad or whatever's left of her dad and it breaks through to halsey and he remembers his daughter and he starts fighting for them and starts trashing the rest of these uh these cadavers. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. He does some like he goes after the uh head of Hill and he's like headbutting it and then he's crushing it and as he works over Hill, it like has an effect on all the other cadavers. Yeah. It's like they're out of control when Dean Halsey starts crushing the head of Hill. Herbert's like, I have a theory, and he decides to do a lethal dosage of the reagent into Hill's body. And so now everything is going crazy. All the reanimated corpses are freaking out. It's like a metal concert in this morgue, and they're just like tearing this fucking place apart, right? Yeah, it's just, everything is just falling apart. And I like the overdose seems to like reanimate all the organs of Hill. Yeah, like his, his intestines pop out of his chest. They don't pop out. They explode. They explode out. And <laughs> yeah. Herbert starts getting choked by Hill's intestines. Like, it's it's basically a its own living snake now. <laughs> yeah, and all the cadavers are like, like I said, it's a metal concert in here. They're tearing this fucking place apart. There's fucking chemicals spilling and shit looks on fire. And Herbert gets wrapped up in the intestines. And he basically is in the midst of a chemical explosion and Halsey gets ripped to shreds by the other cadavers at this point. Megan and Dan are making a run for it and Herbert's disappearing in a trail of smoke and entrails and he tosses his notes out to Dan like, take the work. And Dan does take the work as him and Megan make their escape. So in the franchise of Reanimator... This scenario will become to known as the Miskatonic Massacre. And Dan and Megan are running through the halls. Dan gets attacked and fights off one of the cadavers. And they're about to get in the elevator. And this awesome burn victim cadaver attacks her and starts choking her out. And Dan just cannot break his grip, right? Yeah, Dan is not strong enough to put up with this cadaver so he makes a run down the hall and he grabs the uh emergency axe he breaks the glass grabs the axe moves over to megan chops this cadaver's arms off and it still doesn't let her go (laughs) yeah it's still holding on to her even after it loses its arms and dan was just a little too late and it seems like megan is lost so we rush down to the main unit and we get they start working on Megan. They start trying to bring Megan back in a reflection of the opening with Dan working on that one patient that he couldn't save. Yeah, it's it's a mirror of that sequence. And unfortunately, she's gone. And everyone just kind of leaves Dan alone with Megan's corpse. And Dan starts to embrace that little bit of mad scientist in himself. He reaches in for the reagent, leans over professes his love to Megan and sticks the syringe into her and we fade to black just as the liquid injects and we get a nice scream from Megan seemingly brought back to life and our credits roll. That's Reanimator. What a film. So I'm just going to take a wild guess here and say you like this movie? 
This film is really well put together. It's paced really well. It's got great characters. And I really love how it's a very self-contained story. Really, we only have five main characters. Only a few scenes, too. Only a few things really happen. Only a few sets. Only a few scenes. It's all very contained. And it's just kind of the destruction of the five lives of these people, you know. Three or four, however you want to look at it, end up dead. Dan may or may not have lost his mind with all that he's been through. So yeah, it's a it's a really great movie. It's just yeah, like I said, really well, really well made and I really enjoy it. It's got great special effects. I just want to say too, it's one of those movies that shows the brilliance of the horror genre because the horror genre encompasses all other genres. So, you can say this is a comedy, but this is a horror comedy and say what you will about horror comedies, but This one works. I know not all of them do. I can't say enough about how great this movie is. So all we've really got left to do is get to our favorite kill and favorite scene and wrap it up. So did you have a favorite kill in the movie, Danny? I did have a favorite kill, and I've got to go with when Herbert kills Hill, as I feel a lot of people would probably put that as their favorite. Yeah, that's actually my favorite also. Decapitation by shovel. I mean, you can't get more unique than that. And I love, too, that they don't like a lot of kills like this. They wouldn't show you. They just show you that shot of Herbert getting that last kind of like push in to like detach his head. And you can see Hill suffering and like blood is just gushing out everywhere. And it's like Hill is still a little bit conscious for it. And it's just like, oh, man, like that's. That's gruesome. <laughs> yeah, th- that that's my favorite also. And like, even when he first plunges the shovel into the neck, there's this great shot of Herbert just getting arterial blood spray all over his clothes. And plus, you know, the movie really doesn't have like a lot of kills. You know, we have adverse reactions to the reagent or Herbert and Dan dealing with reanimated corpses. So I think Herbert killing Hill is easily a highlight for probably a lot of folks. And yeah, getting your head cut off with a shovel is just brutal and nasty. And as I've said, decapitation is always two thumbs up for me. For sure, for sure. So uh, do you have a favorite scene, Sean? Yeah, my favorite scene, I think you got to go with the the first experiment with the brute cadaver. I mean, yeah, that's my I that's my favorite, too. <laughs> I, I, I had a good feeling that we'd probably be on the same page with this because, look, the grand finale is excellent in this movie. But the first experiment is the centerpiece. Like if this scene doesn't hold together, it could bring everything down. You know, for the most part, we're already along for the ride at this point. But if they drop the ball there, it could have really ruined the rest of the movie. Yeah, you still don't know, like, what's going to happen yet with the movie at the with the John Doe experiment. So it's uh, it's all it's all shocking. It all comes to a head really quickly and the stakes slowly start to raise. And I think why maybe it overshines the finale a bit is because the finale kind of gets like absolutely bonkers by the end like you said a metal concert and just everything is going wrong whereas the john doe experiment is uh, a little more subdued and it really builds some tension and it's like it keeps building on itself you know it's like oh shit like dan and herbert are in trouble oh shit here comes dean halsey oh shit dean halsey's dead okay let's reanimate him oh shit he's attacking us now like it just keeps building and it's just so perfectly crafted it's just a great scene yeah i can't say it any better than you just said it i think you said it perfectly and all i'll add is like you know i already said i think this movie is in my top 10 but i think the experiment is easily one of like the best scenes in horror history in general like if you want to take a scene from a movie and say like this is one of the best horror film scenes i think the uh, first experiment is right up there with the best of them the only thing I'll add is, you know, I've talked numerous times about horror sequence escalation and like you were basically putting it, you know, it just nails it. Na- it just naturally escalates the stakes, I think. Yeah, this movie is just like really well put together. Like I can't say it enough. Like it's just there's no fat. There's no unnecessary scenes. No un- unnecessary characters or plot elements. I'm glad they cut the the hill as a mesmerizer stuff even though it kind of comes back into play a little bit later but i feel like i can brush that under the rug and it would still make sense 
I guess you could say it's a well-reagented machine. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's Reanimator. We hope you enjoyed the podcast, and we hope you enjoyed the film along with us. And if you have anything you want to say about the movie, again, hit us up on Twitter, at Fraternity. Or you can email us at, what's our email, Danny? Fraternity at gmail.com. Well, I guess we'll wrap it up. Good episode, Danny. Until next time, we'll see you around. All right. Thank you, everybody. Bye.